Internet, welcome out to Pikapi Podcast, your Pokemon anime podcast covering the entire Pokemon anime, and we've got a lot of stuff to get through. First, it's a gym battle episode. Uh, two, I've got a lot of listener mail, uh, some great questions written in, and I, I need to get to it, and I want to spread them out over the next few episodes because some of those questions are just really fun. Um, and we'll answer one today, and then in the actual Pokemon anime that's airing right now, stuff is happening. We've got that movie, which I still haven't seen. Brock and Misty just showed up uh, on the regular episodes. They're going to be hanging around for an episode or two. Misty's taking a vacation from gym leader duties, and I haven't seen the episode yet, so I'm not sure, but I have heard that Brock introduces himself as the gym leader of Pewter City, which is... Not super weird, he is the former gym leader, but I'm pretty sure he is officially off the books and Pokemon doctoring now, so I'm interested to see how that goes. Like, basically, I just want to catch up with Brock and Misty. Like, I don't have a pressing need to have them, like, return to the anime permanently, but, like, we traveled with them for three regions m more with Brock. I think he got, like, five or six, so, like... These are our friends. I want to know what they've been up to. The episode doesn't actually have to have a plot. I just want the three of them catching up for 22 minutes. But yeah, if you've been able to find a place where that's airing or a good streaming service and you've seen it already, don't tell me because I don't want to be too, too spoiled, but you can tell me if it's awesome because I'm pretty sure it will be. Like, the bar is set quite low for me to be happy on this front. Kasumi and Takeshi, I just need to see them hanging with Satoshi. That is, like, all I need. And when it does finally air uh, in English, that's an interesting situation, too, because um, Brock has had two main voices over the over the years with the, with the dub switch over. I don't believe Misty ever got... Like, she did have somebody voicing her, I think, during the, the special... But it's not like a, a particular voice actress really kind of got into the character of Misty and established herself in that role. So it's an interesting opportunity, um, since Rachel Lillis is working for the Pokemon anime again, whether they're going to bring her back to reprise her role as Misty, or if they're going to give a, a new actor an opportunity and how that will play out. So some very interesting opportunities there. I'm sure that stuff has already been decided and maybe even that info is leaked, but I'm kind of trying to avoid it because, again, it's one of those things where I just want it to be special. It's like with the 20th movie. It's like I could find out so much info, especially since it's already been shown to audiences, but it's like 
I want when I get to see it, it to be special. <laughs> so I'm trying not to get too deep into the information rabbit hole that we could all go down when it comes to Pokemon trivia. But let's get to that listener mail. This question is so fun. Um, it comes from Pokemon Crossroads. Mikey writes, In the previous episode, you said that Meowth must be the one who makes the mechas. That means he knows a bit about engineering, or at least follows instructions to put the robots together. What do you think's the specialty of Jesse and James? Let's even throw in Wob. He's pretty much one of the team. Man, I love this question. Thank you, Mikey. It's kind of a hard question. I wrote down answers, and then kind of as I was setting up my recording equipment, kind of rethought them a little. But James, J James is definitely the moral center. Uh, and of the original three, Jesse, James, Meowth, he's the one who's got more of a service personality. Like, like James is happy when he's able to do something to make others happy. He's less driven by his personal ambitions. He has them, but he, he seems to get more joy when he can labor for the sake of the group. And it's not exactly a skill so much as what he brings to the team, but he, he radiates a sort of wanting to be loved aura that, I, like, he's kind of just got a, a sensitivity and a vulnerability that I think keeps the other two in check. Like, as much as Jesse and Meowth bully him, um, because he's not the one to, like, push away other people's feelings, it kind of allows them a space to exercise their softer and more compassionate traits. And for that reason, I think they've come to cherish him despite themselves. He brings that to the team for an actual skill. Like, I would say James is good with people. And of that team, he's the only one who is. But, like, it kind of just, again, goes to that desiring to serve and he's happy when he's able to contribute and able to make other people happy and be praised for the things he does well, that kind of thing. He's just better at dealing with people and making them feel at ease, whether that's, you know, dealing with the interpersonal relationships within Team Rocket or kind of trying to con somebody on the road or fit into the disguises and, and you know, take on that character. He's just kind of got a better sense for how to please people and how to make them like him and just how to handle them. So as an asset to Team Rocket, it's very good for charming people and for putting them off their guard and tricking them and for making friends when he genuinely wants to do that. Meowth, I've already said, it's kind of what spawned the question, is, is the technical brains. He's proven in a lot of episodes, but it was really kind of brought home in that special. Like, he's just got a crafty mind and like seems to have a good grasp of like physics and engineering and that sort of thing. He may or may not be building the robots, but more often than not, he seems to be the one ordering them. Um, and he, he comes up with the craftier plans. He's got a pragmatic and direct way of looking at things like, you know, whatever the goal is, Meowth is the one who figures out how to get Team Rocket from point A to point B. Um, and he can kind of see the whole picture with, you know, morals and finances and feasibility and even physics just kind of out of the window and, you know, once a good plan is decided, then decide how they're going to execute it. So, like, Meowth is just, he's very smart in that way. Jessie, I would say she's the drive. Like, her special skill is determination. I would say Jessie has got 
some leadership skills, like not necessarily because she's super good at it. She is going toe-to-toe with Meowth and becoming the leader more often than not. Like, Meowth has a lot he wants to do and a lot of leadership uh, ability, but he seems to have settled happily into being the guy who makes and carries out plans for the other two. Um, and Meowth, you know, he's not one to cow to power, and and since Team Rocket doesn't treat him like a subordinate, he's okay to let Jesse take charge. Um, and Jesse's the one who kind of pulls people behind her and rallies to get things done. Like, without her, Jess, uh, James and Meowth, they, they would hardly get anything done. So I think she's got a lot of room to grow in that area, but I do think she's got great potential for leadership skills and great potential as a leader. Um, if only evidence, again, in a group with Meowth, she's been able to come out kind of in the leadership position more often than not. Like, she definitely shoots herself in the foot a lot of times uh, because she's not particularly humble, she's not good at sharing, like, a lot of things... She's got a lot of qualities you don't necessarily want in your leader, but at the same time, she also knows what she wants, is, you know, gotta focus on the goal. She's very good at inspiring the people around her in the sense of, like... They can see she's got a vision, so they don't feel conflicted. Like, she's not wishy-washy about anything. But Jessie has proven throughout her life, like, she's willing to work very hard for the things she wants. And, like, while she's impatient, when she has a goal, she can work towards it, like, with very sincere efforts and a sincere heart. And with her Team Rocket activities, it's kind of the same thing. When she's in on a plan. She's in 100%. So I think those two skills go hand in hand. She's very hardworking and kind of has a, a don't give up attitude, which is, I, de- I think, definitely her skill. And she's got the potential for leadership skills. They're, they're very raw and rough, but they're there. And I think they're getting better over the seasons as she's been able to kind of work with her Pokemon and the other members of Team Rocket, like, on the contest things. Like, when Jessie's at her best, you kind of want her in charge. For Wobbuffet, that's kind of interesting, because that original trio had kind of settled into a good working relationship, like, two seasons before meeting the Wobster, so I think for a long time Wobbuffet was trying to find his place in Team Rocket, like, he got traded into them and just kind of happened to wind up with these people. And in a lot of those earlier episodes, he seemed to be trying to get Jesse's good favor. Like, always butting in uh, to try and find a way to contribute or say something and then being sad when Jesse just did not care. But now, I think Wobbuffet is much more secure in his place in the group and he doesn't try so hard to be relevant and doesn't seem so sad when... <laughs> Jesse's upset with him. <laughs> he, he's kind of turning into the team cheerleader and just validating everyone's ideas and popping up like, oh, so nasu. So whatever the crazy scheme is, Wobbuffet is always there like, yes, let's do it, full of enthusiasm. He's he's like, I don't know, the cheerleader or the hype man or the, the AD on set or something. He's just assisting and happy to be the support and the motivator and like, doesn't seem to notice or care that 90% of the time he's not actually wanted in that role. 
But for now, I think I'm going to have to put that as Wobbuffet's skill, like the mood maker. Like, I think Team Rocket would have less fun if Wobbuffet wasn't there to get pumped up about absolutely everything they were doing. Like, Wobbuffet is not especially malicious. He's, he's just here for the lulls. And, and he kind of reminds the others that, you know, they can enjoy life too. Catching Pikachu and hatching schemes doesn't have to be serious all the time. So that might be his skill. Along with that, like, just the obvious counter. Because when Team Rocket, when Jesse uses Wobbuffet effectively and uses that counter effectively, nothing can take them down. They have repelled legendaries with Wobbuffet. Like, when Wobbuffet's counter gets pulled out, the twerps have no idea how to, like, they still haven't really found a way to beat that. And part of it is because Team Rocket doesn't use the strategy enough for Ash to get used to it. But <laughs> Wobbuffet doesn't care about being in charge. He doesn't have anything he particularly wants to do. He just wants to have a good time and be useful. So counter is almost the perfect attack for him because it's like he doesn't actually, he doesn't actually want to hurt the twerps. So he's got an attack where he doesn't. He just, he just defends. He just keeps the good ship Team Rocket going. But thank you for asking that question, Mikey. It was fun to think about. And, and everybody else, please write in what you think uh, some of the Team Rocket members' special skills are. What they contribute to the group. And, and if you're new to this podcast, that is a nice preview of what to expect on this show. We, we go through each episode of the Pokemon anime and look at the characters, events, and relationships, and how all that develops over time, and go into real nerdy detail. Um, we mostly focus on the events that happen within the anime, uh, but occasionally I go off on other aspects of the show, like production, and script writing, and animation, the behind-the-scenes stuff when I find it interesting or or find it, period. <laughs> and if you're into that, I just put up a special episode on my Patreon page as a joint pro project with PokePress. Uh, we're going through each of the Pokemon movies and talking about our, our feelings on the ending themes, both the English and Japanese songs used. So a bit of compare and contrast and some history of the artists behind the music. Steven is a trove of trivia when it comes to the English side's music production, and I am really enthusiastic <laughs> about researching groups like Puffy Yumi. so this most recent episode on Movie 8 should be a lot of fun for you. Um, and also tangents, because this show is nothing without them. Like I said, Steven's got so much trivia, like that could be its own show, and, and since it's Movie 8, like... It only took one word, and I just went on a tear on my rage for Pikachu in that movie. So I have issues. If you want to check any of that out, uh, you should visit patreon.com slash professional dork. You can find all the Happy podcast special episodes and occasionally other things, too. We're preparing for a song on underrated Pokemon songs next. So if you've got a song that you think needs some love, like it's it's just sitting at a corner of the Pokemon anime and no one listens to it or sings it, you should let us know about it. Maybe maybe this will be its moment to shine. Like I said, you can find uh, those episodes at patreon.com slash professional dork. And in time, they often make their way to PokePress on YouTube. And if you want to check out that or more from PokePress, uh, awesome resource and sponsor of this show, you should hit up YouTube. 
You can search PokePress there, or you can also find them at pokepress.blogspot.com. And I will have all those links in my blog page, and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. Today's episode is Advanced Generation number 20, Brave the Wave. And so, it's a gym battle! I'm so happy. It's early morning, we had a good night's rest, the Pokemon have been all checked out of the Pokemon Center, and Pikachu is ready. Ash has waited long enough, let's do this thing! And I was wondering how long they'd string poor Ash along, but no, today, he will get his gym match at Duford Island against gym leader Brawly. Our first impression of the gym uh, comes at the gates, where there's a big sign saying, Brave the Wave! And it appears to be a fighting-type gym, and Brock flashes back to Chuck of Cianwood City. Ash is still confident that they can take this gym. Uh, what he can't take is a crowd of eager surfers. They all bust out the door and mow Ash down on their way to the waves. Like, it's a KO. He's got the spiral fainted eyes and everything. Um, but he does meet the gym leader, Brawly, who seems like a friendly guy, total bro, until... He dismisses Ash's gym challenge. He wants to go surfing and tells Ash to come back tomorrow. And Ash is not only disappointed, but personally insulted. He's like, that's just rude. None of his friends really care. They're just like, well, can't help it. Let's hit the beach. <laughs> Time to enjoy life. So Ash's gym battle is put on hold again. I've talked over the last episodes, like, he was starting to get a little cranky, but otherwise holding up well about that, like, just having his gym battle pushed off day after day after day, crisis after crisis. Now he's downright ticked. He He's sulky. But we'll cut away from him for a second to admire the service industry version of Team Rocket's motto. My goodness, I love this thing. They are jumping into waiting tables with gusto today. And the clientele has the best reaction to a Team Rocket motto. They're just like, awesome dudes, we'll have two sodas. <laughs> but even better is Meow's reaction to seeing Ash and the others. He's like, they've come. Meow is genre savvy. He knows that running into Ash is only a matter of time. If you build the whole trap, they will come. So now Team Rocket is keeping an eye on the twerps. I, I think they're, they're basically quitting their waiting tables job. And the twerps, they, they're ready to hit the beach. May is really ready to hit the beach. Like, she, she runs down there and just, like, whips off her shirt. And her friend and little brother all get really concerned for a second until she reveals she's got her swimsuit on under her clothes. So we're fine. And I recently, like, talked with someone who really dislikes this scene, and it kind of hit me as interesting that I, I don't have such a problem with it. I don't know why that is exactly. Because you'd, you'd think I would. I had some severe problems with Serena. Like, it may all come down to how the characters are presented in other aspects of their characters. But also, I was thinking, like, Ash has a similar gag with his underpants during the Sabrina arc. And we've got old men perving all over Misty in an explicitly sexual way in Beauty and the Beach. Like, and, and May does have moments where... She's a little more fan y than I would like, but for some reason this particular moment doesn't stick out to me as more offensive than, again, some of the stuff involving Ash or, or Misty or other characters. But, it, but, it's inter but it's good to think about, right? Like, I guess we all have reasons to see things differently. 
Like, for me, I'm always in forever more troubled by Brock's impulse control than May's swimsuits. But both of these things, however you feel about them, are on full display today. Um, May, in a much tamer version of the manga character Sapphire, strips off all her clothes and reveals her newest swimsuit. And, and you know, I wonder if that's part of the gag. Like, it's a callback to the incredibly stripping Sapphire, who is, like, raised by wolves or whatever in that manga, and is just being like, yeah, we know May looks the same, but nope. Who knows? <laughs> But yeah, if you read Pokemon Adventures, Sapphire tends to take off her clothes a lot, and, and poor Ruby just has to deal with it. Um, but while May reveals the newest swimsuit in her collection, she bought quite a few at Rust Pro City. Brock is not interested in the preteen swimsuit wearers, but the ladies, and he's forward, as always. But during all this, they spot the gym leader Brawly on the beach and his Pokemon Makuhita. And since we've been introduced to the gym leader and one of their team, I guess it's time for the traditional pre-battle analysis, where I look over the team lineups and what Ash's advantage is on paper. And we're kind of coming to a point that no matter what the gym, whatever the type, whatever the leader, Ash almost walks in with an equal, if not advantageous situation because of Pikachu. Because Pikachu is just that good. And that's part of why Ash comes into new regions hoping to build up new teams now, because, like, you know, if he comes in with, like, Pikachu and Charizard and Bulbasaur and, you know, the people he's been with for forever, he's just not learning as much that's new. And with that logic, it would probably be good to rotate out Pikachu occasionally as the region starter, but we all know that's not happening. Um, and at this point, like, we haven't hit the first episode where it's said, but... I think they still see it this way, the two of them. Like, Ash is the coach and Pikachu is the team captain. Like, it's as much his team as Ash's now, so. But yeah, they've got Pikachu, for better or for worse, and he's getting to be elite-level athlete. He's competed against several gyms, major tournaments, Hall of Fame at the Orange League. Like, as long as he's on the team, he's the anchor. As for everyone else, we've got Talo, and we've got Trico. Against a fighting-type gym, Taylor will have some advantage with the types, so that helps Ash. And, and Trico's just so determined. <laughs> Brawly's main partner is that Makuhita. He's, he's also got a Machop and just generally favors straight-up fighting types. Um, the games show him with a Hitmontop, and he's also got a Metatite that evolves eventually into a Metachamp, so some Psychic to throw people a curve. I have to say, Ash is looking good for this gym. Like, better than some others he's faced. I I'd say his real disadvantage right now is just the fact that Trico and Talo are unevolved newbies. Like, like we did talk a bit um, during his battle with Roxanne how Ash's strategy was getting Pikachu's Iron Tail rather than trying to build up Trico to get a grass attack. Because even if Trico managed to learn it on time, it's still so new, still not ready for full gym battles. Like, you can't leave the whole match up to Trico yet. And that's a dilemma that Ash faces today. Like, Trico and Talo have some experience under their belt, but they're just not at the level where they can walk into gyms and be like, yeah, we've got this. They can't anchor the team. They can't match a lot of the gym leader's Pokemon. They sure can't stand equal to Pikachu right now. 
So whatever advantage Taylo has is kind of negated by Makuhita's experience and Brawly's other Pokemon's experience. Like, surely they will know how to counter that. And Taylo is not experienced enough to be able to, like, counter your counter. And Trico is scrappy, but... <laughs> that's all. Ash could win if he threw all his gambling chips at Pikachu, but since just winning is not the point of coming to Hoenn and catching a whole new team, I don't think he wants to do that, and we'll see in the episode how that plays out for him. But Pikachu is a pretty big ace in the hole, like you can get the other two a lot of experience if you know that Pikachu's waiting in the wings, and Taylo and Trico are both competent, just, you know, kind of green. So if Ash is crafty, he should do okay. Like, the only real problem in his situation is that, like, his team is still learning how to work together with Ash in gym battles, like, let alone do fun attacks, except for the one veteran star player that Ash is practically married to. Like, his problem is that his team is not remotely balanced. But that's not the hugest obstacle. Again, it's a good way to build up some experience for the other two. So certainly with the type advantage and Ash's history of handling himself at gym battles, even with underexperienced players, if he approaches this with a level head and the maturity we've come to expect from him, the match is his to lose. His biggest enemy today is himself. And that temper. <laughs> Ash is really upset at having been turned down for a gym battle, and even more upset now to see Brawly out surfing. He's just like, dude, you've got a job to do, and that job is battle little kids. This is not a good excuse to use a sick day. But while Ash gets riled up, I'm just going to come out and say I love Brawly and Makuhita. Like, the two of them surfing together and their interactions, like, that gives me life. Um, but gym battles, they give Ash life, so he's out there in the waves bothering Brawly on his day off and distracting them from their surfing diving into the water and just kind of popping out beside the surfboards like my battle he eventually causes a wipeout like brawly's doing chest compressions on makuhita like ash i think you just ensured brawly's not gonna want to battle you ever even if you do seem to have learned dig in your spare time like really i'm not joking like see that for yourself <laughs> but ash is so desperate it's getting pathetic Pikachu's got this expression like, dude, I love you, but you need to give it a rest. Like, in this way, it's almost good that Team Rocket shows up in their motorboat and fires a net at Pikachu. Like, it gives Ash somewhere to direct all that frustrated energy, and it keeps him from making a bigger idiot of himself. Um, like many of their tools, the net here that's got Pikachu is one of the ones that's impervious to electricity and hurts Pikachu whenever he tries to use Thundershock, so Team Rocket's able to make a getaway without much resistance. Uh, but of course, the trainers are in pursuit. Brawly asks Makuhita to lend a hand. It paddles out there on the surfboard. It's faster than the motorboat. This is great. And it both damages the boat and liberates Pikachu. So Team Rocket is forced to flee, and we won't see them again, thank goodness. Um, and Ash, miraculously, is gonna get his gym battle. Like, Brawly can see Pikachu's trained well, and that Ash loves him, and that Ash is really super determined to get a battle today, so he relents. Like, best partners versus best partners, like, some things are meant to be. Bless you, Brawly. Ash is in a mood. We appreciate your indulging him. And I say, since it will be a plot point later, we're having some character moments with Ash. 
Because as ridiculous as it is to have him digging through the sand like a diglet, this attitude change has been a few episodes coming. And that kind of impresses me, like it's one of the strengths of the Hoenn season, that at least in the beginning they were really conscious of planting seeds in earlier episodes that blossomed a bit down the road. And Ash has been getting really short with his companions, most notably with May over the whole missing the boat incident. Like, he can be cranky and grumbly, he has a temper, and he often brags or acts very forward when he's upset, and he can be easily goaded into things. He'll be like, I'll show you, and play up his very little accomplishments. Or like today, run around demanding attention. But one thing he does far less often is lash out in, like, rage and anger. But over the past few episodes, that's happened a time or two. And it is always very striking to me when it does happen with Ash. Like, I'm always a bit taken aback. And, like, these moments stick in my mind. Like, I still have very vivid memories of the moment in Diamond and Pearl where they first encounter Hunter Jay and she steals Pikachu and Ash, like, just flips out. Like, like it's... That, that, that scene of his rage was enough that, like, I got scared. <laughs> and more so because Sinnoh comes right after Hoenn, and Hoenn is a very emotional region in, in a way you don't expect. Like, Sinnoh eventually hits, like, some darker moments and some, you know, more fraught with emotion things. But Hoenn had a lot of moments, like, again, with Ash and his temper and... Like, finding the things that could set it off. And it was more interesting to me because, as we've found over the first, like, ten episodes, Ash has kind of become a little bit more mature in how he deals with things that frustrate him. Like, he's been, uh, like, until very recently, where his gym battle got constantly put on hold, he's been very calm and, you know, very patient. Like, the part of him that is gentle and giving and selfless has been coming to the surface a lot more and he doesn't seem to waste so much energy on, like, the little temper tantrums he threw in the past where he just, you know, got snippy and, you know, demanding attention. And I'm kind of finding, like, just as Ash is becoming more calm and patient most of the time, when he does get angry, he gets angry. He's not a little bit colicky and acting up like a small child. He's upset. And that's been interesting. And on the one hand, like, I really love it. Like, I love seeing Ash being able to control his temper more. So he's, you know, he spends more time as that calm, patient, mature person who can kind of mentor young kids and and deal with finicky Pokemon and, you know, him being that more gentle person. But it still takes me aback when he lashes out. And over the past few episodes, that has happened a time or two. So with this episode, like, on the one hand, I'm glad he gets his gym battle his frustration is still funny in an abstract sense, but both the audience and it seems Pikachu are kind of seeing that Ash is in a weird headspace and this is going to go south really fast. And I'd say maybe it would be better or would have been better for him to have not battled today, but I'm not sure that would have actually helped the problem. It might have just wound him up more. But Ash is going into this battle full of enthusiasm, confidence, and some heavy-handed judgment. 
because he doesn't respect Brawley after this morning. He sees a guy who doesn't care about his gym, probably doesn't even battle much, spends all his free time surfing, probably isn't training his Pokemon at all. Like, that's what Ash sees. Someone who doesn't care about Pokemon. Whereas Ash has been training hard. He's been working for this his whole life. He, he and Pikachu just worked their literal tails off to learn a new attack and win at the last gym. Like, Ash sees no reason why he can't get this badge easy, because he's actually trying. He can win this easy with Taylo, who, remember, doesn't even really have much experience. So now Ash's friends are starting to worry about him. Especially Brock, because Brock has, has seen this before. <laughs> the battle begins. It's Machop versus Taylo, and it seems at first to be going good for Ash, like Taylo gets in one flying attack after another, wing attack after wing attack, but Machop just keeps rolling with the punches. Like every hit, it's back on its feet, none the worse for wear. And that's a concern. Machop has superior endurance, it absorbs the blows, and as I said, just rolls with them. It's not hurting hardly at all. Ash tries to go for speed, but then Taylo is taken out by a cross chop during an aborted quick attack. And that's all she wrote for Taylo, so... It's good experience for Taylo, but, like, it just kind of illustrates what I was talking about earlier. Like, Taylo is a very skilled, like, s Pokemon. It's very strong. It fought a lot of battles in the wild. But when you're coming up against a gym leader's Pokemon, like, it just can't take a hit. It is not ready to be the person you put all your hope into for this team. <laughs> um, now, you may have noticed through all of this, Pikachu is sitting on the sidelines. In Brock's arms, the, the implication is that Ash, from the beginning, never planned to use him in this battle. Like, that's, that's usually how that goes. Which makes his only other option, Trico. And I really think Ash thought Brawly was a guy who maybe inherited the gym but didn't care about training, so this would be a good place to give Taylo and Trico some gym experience. Like, he thought he could win easily. And even with Machop's win, I, I don't think Ash really has changed his mind. Like, I don't think he thinks Brawly has much else up his sleeve. Especially, you know, given that Trico will not let itself lose to anyone or anything, including nature. So Ash calls out Trico, and as I said in the analysis, Ash could maybe have had better results powering through with Pikachu, but he's not thinking like that now, and, and, like, and, and shouldn't be at this stage of his career. Like he's, he's too good to have the mindset of just win the match at all costs. Like He needs to view gym matches differently as more of a learning opportunity, both for him and his Pokémon. The problem is, he's not exactly doing that either. <laughs> Part of his problem is he doesn't want to believe Brawly has good strategy, even when it's pointed out to him, like Machop's dodging and ability to endure Taylor's attacks are all reminiscent of the actions one might use while surfing. So that implies something, but Ash refuses to see it. He he's taken that as a coincidence. Lucky break for Machop that its lazy hobby gave it an advantage. Uh, but eventually they'll wear it down. We're sticking with the plan. Attack, attack, attack. A and I'm not sure what else he could have done. Like, Ash is the master of coming up with crazy strategies on the fly. But again, Trico is still new, still learning to read Ash and work as one, and doesn't have a lot of attacks and tricks to work with in the first place. 
I'm not trying to excuse Ash here. I, I'm pointing out that his problem was having the match in the first place. What he's doing in the battle is less problematic than the fact that he even showed up. Like, he's not got the right attitude or focus. He's not prepared like he needs to be. He's managed to back himself into a corner where, like, it just almost doesn't matter what he does at this point. And, and it's a, a shame on Ash that he got himself into that situation. But now that he's in it, it almost feels silly to criticize some of the actions he's taking because, like I said, the problem is less that he's making these dumb mistakes, but that he put himself into a position where he's got little else to choose. <laughs> I think what keeps him on the bad decision train, though, instead of just going crazy Jim Battle Ash and salvaging something, is the fact that he may have realized this too, and, and maybe just doesn't want to admit it. Pride has ruined more Pokemon battles for Ash than all the great trainers in the world. Um, through all this, Brawly is gracious and complimentary, which only makes it more embarrassing. Um, like, he sees that Ash is good. Ash's Pokemon are good. This is a good team, even in their kind of young stage. But Ash is reverting back to the first week of his Pokemon journey or something. Like, he's just calling for pound, 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 maybe quick attack. Like, there's no talent to anything he's doing. And it's almost a problem when this plan actually works. Like, they do wear down Machop. And you can't deny, like, it was a good move. The quick attack followed by pound let them hit Machop from behind and prevent its dodging and rolling technique, so it did more damage. Like, all good things. Taking advantage of Taylo, you know, having worn it down a little, yes. But you can't say it's enough. It, and it's one of the fun things about the Hoenn region, is that Ash is really good. He's so good in Hoenn. And that's part of what's holding him back now. And the success he's having in this small moment just enables that attitude of attack, attack, no strategy. May and Max are excited, like Ash is making a comeback, but Brock has seen this movie before. He's seen it, read the book, and bought the DVD. He knows Ash is on a self-destructive bender and he's going to be taking Trico down with him. Like, there is no comeback. It's, it's not going to end well. The match goes on against Makuhita now, and it's better than Machop ever was. Pound doesn't phase it, but Ash keeps calling for it, even after Trico is too exhausted to really continue. And, and finally, now that Trico's barely hanging in there, Brawly goes on the offensive, and Makuhita beats Trico up. Trico is down, it's beaten, it should not get up. No one thinks it will. Like, this should be the point where it fades and the match is over, because that was a total shutdown. But this is Trico. It's got the same problem as Trickorita, like just going and going and until it can't, far past the point like where its body should have fainted to prevent it from hurting itself. It just keeps going until it might actually get permanently injured or die because it, it just hates losing that much. And sometimes that attitude can be tempered and channeled into good. But when your trainer is off their game and just enabling you, like this is a terrible storm. Trico gets up off the ground like kind of Night of the Living Dead zombie and and does it again after seismic toss. Like, it's probably the only thing to surprise Brawly all match. <laughs> Until the next thing happens, Makuhita evolves into Hariyama. And it's just like, come on, that is Ash's trick. What are you doing? 
But yes, if you thought the odds were bad before, they just got worse. And what makes it so interesting and frustrating to me is that there is so much positive going on. Like, it's not just Ash is completely wrong, Ash is cocky, so he's going to make mistakes, the end. Like, there is a lot of stuff he does right, and a lot of things that have just been out of control just by agreeing to have the match in the first place. And... Like, if Brawly hadn't seen the waves and accepted Ash's challenge on the spot, like, Trico would still be Trico, unwilling to lose, which might have still inspired Makuhita to evolve. And Talo would still be Talo, advantageous but inexperienced, and Machop would still be dodging everything. Ash probably still wouldn't have used Pikachu, so... Like, the difference is Ash's ability to deal with those things and... Like, if he'd have come into this battle like he did to the one with Norman or Roxanne, like, using his ability to calmly assess the situation, rally after setbacks, come up with new strategies, play defense, rein in Trico before it kills itself. Like, on paper, this match was Ashes to lose. But that's not what happened. And Ash's face, like... If I was wrong before, I am not now. At this moment, Ash definitely knows he's going to lose. He knows he's wrong in his attack strategy. He knows that somehow he underestimated Brawly and ended up in a terrible situation, and he doesn't want to admit it, because that means that all these years of traveling, learning, winning, and training, and he still can't beat some lazy guy who isn't even trying and doesn't even care about his own gym? Like, that hurts. And along with that, like, sometimes nothing hurts more than just being wrong. But this isn't going to be one of those honorable defeats where you lose and shake hands and maybe shed a tear in front of the sunset before promising to be better and meet again as equals. Ash feels shame in this one, and so many other things. So when Trico decides it's going to be a lunatic and keep battling, Ash lets it. Which is a huge problem, because part of his job is making sure Trico doesn't pull dumb stunts like that. And of course, after another hit, Trico faints. Brawly's not overbearing about it, but tells Ash he should get Trico to a Pokemon Center. And Ash is a stewing pot ready to boil. Like, he is worried about Trico. Like, he feels very bad for for it, because Trico is kind of at the very edge of its limits. But his mood is kind of black and not helped when Joy kind of implies that this happened because Ash pushed Trico too hard. Like, forced his Pokemon to battle beyond its capacity. It's not that Ash is without fault, because again, part of his job is to be able to assess Trico's condition and be like, okay, that's enough, come back. But he is being a bit accused of the wrong thing. Like, what he did wrong was enable Trico in what it was kind of already doing on its own. Like, Trico did not need encouragement from Ash to continue that battle. The fact that Ash didn't try to stop it is very problematic, but again, it's a slightly different sin than the one Joy is accusing him of. Um, Ash's friends also have some words to say to him, though they start off trying to be nice. Like, like you just gotta know when to quit. Like, you got a bit carried away. Like, Trico's gonna be fine. Like, you guys can work through this. And Ash, he doesn't just snap at them. He yells. Which, as I was saying earlier, is kind of uncharacteristic of him. It's 
it's a bit rare, especially for him to lash out at his friends. Again, he's always had a temper. It tends to manifest as bragging or sulking or maybe being a little snide or snarky, but it's less often that he just straight up yells at his friends and tells them to shut up and, and you know, tries to make them hurt like he is hurting. That said, I, I kind of love this moment with Brock in, like, from an outside perspective in that he's just so done with Ash. He's like, oh, come on, knock it off. And, like, in some ways he knows Ash so well, his bratty side, but at the same time, he also doesn't know how to deal with Ash because, remember, Kanto through Johto, part of that team's deal was that they were just lousy at being friends and, like, in some way Brock is so awesome with Ash and this is one of those moments where he's not. He has no idea how to defuse this bomb, how to talk to Ash, make him see reason, make him feel better, whatever. Um, Ash runs out of the room on the verge of tears and I love the little break in Veronica Taylor's voice. It's just like, oh. It's Pikachu that runs after Ash and and just kind of walks with him for a bit. They walk along the beach, the sun sets, and Ash calms down. And again, this is kind of part of that maturity that's coming with Hoenn is it doesn't take him long to course correct himself. And he realizes... He really screwed up, mostly with Trico. I mean, they just had an episode a while back where Ash is like, I'm your trainer, you need to trust me when I say I'll help you and when enough's enough. And and today, Ash kind of betrayed that trust. Trico's counting on Ash to pull it back from the battles that are going to hurt it, not wind it up and let it go. So that's a problem. And Ash is mulling over that and why he went off the deep end when he comes across Brawly and Hariyama surfing. He ducks behind a rock and watches. Hariyama's got issues with balance now that it's evolved. It's got a brand new body, more muscle, new weight placement, so the two of them are out surfing to get their feet back under them. And as they're practicing, Brawly points out that while they did pull out the win, if Ash had battled with a level head, who knows what might have happened. So they've got to work at getting that balance back before Ash challenges them again. And Ash is moved. He, he runs out. Um, Brawly inquires after Trico, and, and Ash admits he was wrong about Brawly and his surfing obsession. Brawly explains that it's a great way to train heavy Pokemon. It helps them build leg strength and balance. Like, it looks fun, but it was actually training. And when Brawly turned down the match at first, it wasn't because he wanted to slough training, it's because he wanted to do more. And also, the waves were tubular, bro. And I kind of love Ash's face while they're discussing this because he's kind of got this funky expression where like, even though he's kind of come around and he knows he's wrong and he, you know, he he sees where the misunderstanding with Brawly went, he's still kind of upset about it. <laughs> like, he's had a weird day. Like, I just think it's interesting that he, he doesn't switch on a dime like that. But anyway, Brawly advises to Ash to explore the island. Like, playing in nature tends to result in pretty amazing training. After that, Brawly and Hariyama hit the waves, and Brock, May, and Max track Ash down. Ash apologizes for his behavior and tells the gang he'd like to stick around Duford Island to train, if they don't mind sticking around too. And something about how he asks that is, is touching. Like, he's very humble like, in this moment. I don't know. 
Atch is a good kid underneath it all. But yeah, I think this is the first time May and Max see Ash's ugly side. And I think it's the first time they've seen him lose, uh, apart from Norman, so that's interesting. Brock's used to it. Like, yeah, Ash can get like this from time to time. It, it never lasts long. Just feed him and let him have a Pokemon battle. He'll usually self-correct. Someday I'll tell you guys about Gary Oak and that drama. Like, But for May and Max, Ash has been this paragon of patience and winning generally every battle in front of him and praised for his efforts and skills. He's kind of got this hail the conquering hero vibe about him. Like he's just all around good guy. So to see him up close in his low moments and his, his moments where he's not the greatest human being, like that's kind of a new thing for them. And that's interesting and good. Like it'll help them become better, closer friends. And for some reason, it's kind of Reminding me of that snowball fight in X and Y, like the one where Ash is kind of in a moody sort of place and he goes off to be alone and emo in the forest and Serena kind of follows him and and she kind of has a moment where she stops seeing him as the person on the pedestal that she's been enamored with and as a kid who needs to pull his head out of his butt and she just... She, and, like, I just kind of like that moment where she throws the snowball at him and she's just like, I am done with you. Like, you are not cool right now. So, much as I wish that Ash could be awesome every second of the day, he is a human being and some days, some days he falls victim to his own, his own tempers and shortcomings. As do we all. If you guys want to comment about Ash and his ugly side and the battle with Brawly or Team Rocket and what their special skills are, you can do all those things by visiting our blog page, pcappypodcast.blogspot.com, or shooting me an email at pcappypodcast at gmail.com. You can shoot questions through Facebook and Twitter at pcappypodcast. And as always, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes so that you never miss a future episode. But that'll do it for today. We'll look forward to Ash's rematch against Brawly somewhere down the road, but for now, this has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all! <laughs>